0: You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress.
1: When we face trouble and we face difficulty, and I would be naive to think that even today, those sitting in this room under the sound of my voice might be in a time, a season in your life where it's a difficult time. But I know in my own life and in the testimonies that are represented in this room today that there are times in our lives when a negative turns into a positive. Has anybody had that experience where A negative moment actually turns into something positive in your life. Where something difficult, something you've done, maybe it's a mistake, maybe it's something that's happened to you, is able to be turned around and made into something that is positive. We know the passage that says, all things work together For the good, to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And there are times in our lives when a need has drove us to do something we wouldn't have done without the need represented in our life. Simply and maybe carnally, how many's ever visited a doctor? Yeah. and you went on a diet the next day? <laughs> you saw something trending in your life that motivated you, whereas you wouldn't have been motivated any other way. My father, some years ago. He's always struggled with his weight uh, throughout his childhood and, and on. And some years ago, he went to a doctor who told him he was on the verge of diabetes. And it changed his life. It motivated him. And he lost, I think, about 80 pounds. It's amazing what a need will do in our lives. It's amazing what a financial hardship does. The reality of something you're struggling with in your finances sets you up and motivates you to save money, to, to find a budget, to do things because things have changed and you see a need pending. We are not well-suited to have unlimited. We are not well-suited to have unlimited money. We are not well-suited as humans to have unlimited power. How many people win the lottery and end up broke? Because all of a sudden the need is taken from them and they lose their mind. The stats say 70% of people who win the lottery go broke within seven years. We're not well-suited for that because when we need something, it motivates us. When we need something, it positions us in our life, and today I want to speak for just a few moments on the gift of need. The gift of need. And our passage today and our text is found in Luke chapter 8. Jesus is returning with his disciples from healing the man in Gadara who was demonically oppressed and possessed. This man had thousands of demons in him and Just Jesus showing up on the shore. This man was so hungry for something in his life that he ran to Jesus and bowed down. And Jesus cast those demons out of him. So Luke chapter 8, if you read it and you start with Luke chapter 8 at the beginning, you'll see the different people that were following Jesus during this time. It was like a snowball effect. Jesus was gaining in popularity. He was doing miracles and signs. And the Bible says that the, the 12 were following him, but also different ones who had been healed and delivered began to follow him. And so they go across the lake, the storm, the man of Gadara, and now they come back across the lake. And it says in verse 40 of chapter 8, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. There was an anticipation that Jesus was coming back. He had already done amazing miracles. He went across the lake. There was no fishing involved, unfortunately. Just a storm. Comes back across the lake and they're just waiting on the shore. I think of a time when I went with Bishop Pasley II to India. And it was a remarkable trip. We went to Delhi and we went to a particular castle to to just sightsee in this uh, fortress, I should say. And as we're lining up to come out of the fortress, there is a group of people. There were about five or six of us. And there was a group of people waiting at the entrance. And we knew, we knew that they were waiting on us. And so not, we weren't afraid, but we knew that we were going to have to kind of guard our stuff and walk through. They were trying to sell us different things. And that's the picture that I have in my mind, obviously, these people were not trying to sell Jesus anything. They weren't trying to, to give him anything. But in fact, they were waiting on something from him. So there they stood on the shore waiting for Jesus to come across. And the Bible says there was a man, in verse 41, named Jairus. He wasn't just any man, but he was in fact the ruler of the synagogue. He was a religious leader in that time and in that place. No doubt everyone there who were gathered waiting for Jesus to come across the lake knew who Jarius was. He was the one who was organizing the worship. He was organizing the, the synagogue, and he was making sure everything was, was in order, and, and he uh, no doubt was known by everybody there. And the Bible says that when Jesus came out up onto the shore and began to walk towards them, that this Jarius, this This one who's a religious leader falls down at Jesus' feet. This is not insignificant. This is not just a a random moment. You could kind of get the the demoniac who fell at Jesus' feet when Jesus came. But now you have a religious leader who is falling at Jesus' feet. And he begged him to come to his house. I find this passage staggering because you can compare Jairus immediately to Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus, that religious ruler who came to Jesus as well in John chapter 3. But Nicodemus, how did he come to Jesus? At night? He came in the cover of darkness, not to be seen by everybody. He didn't want everybody to know that he was actually kind of interested in Jesus. No, he came to Jesus at night, and Jesus called him out for coming to him at night as well. But Jairus... Jarius just came running to Jesus, even though he knew everybody was gonna go, what do you mean? You believe that Jesus is, is somebody special? Who who are you? What are you doing? But there are times in our lives when it does not matter. And for Jarius, it did not matter. His 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, was sick and about to die, and he could care less what anybody thought. He could care less what anybody was thinking about him or what anybody was going to say about him or what his boss was going to say to him. He was desperate, and he needed something to change in his life. And so, what does he do? He goes running and he falls on his face to Jesus and said, Would you come to my house? What a powerful moment it would have been. What a powerful moment it was that here this ruler would bow down to Jesus because desperate times call for desperate measures. And how many of you ever found yourself in a desperate time? In a time where you couldn't figure things out and you needed something to change. Desperate, desperation changes us. It impacts us. I was in a, traveling to Wisconsin this year and my beloved daughter Ava was with me amen (laughs) we go to the gas station and I want I'm going to use the restroom she doesn't have to use the restroom we was in some small town in Wisconsin so I tell her I'm going into the restroom I want you to stand right here next to the door don't move Go in the restroom, small little gas station, small little town. Come out of the restroom. She is gone. So I, this gas station is only like three aisles. And I'm looking down the aisle, not seeing anything. Game on at that point. Right? Desperation kicks in. And I don't care what I look like, I run to the front. I said, have you seen a little girl about that high? She said, she's right there. She had found one of those little turn things and hid behind it. at the front door. In her mind, she said, it felt safer to stand behind there than to stand next to the bathroom. There's nothing like that feeling of desperation that kicks in. And this ruler had this feeling. He didn't care. But sandwiched in the middle of this story, you've got a ruler. You've got a guy who has just invited Jesus. The crowds, the Bible said, were pushed up against Jesus. They were, they were pressing on him. And the scripture tells us in verse 43... Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. According to Jewish ideas of the time, she would have been unclean, she would have been ineligible. To go to the synagogue. Think about it now. She would have been ineligible to go to the synagogue that the ruler of the synagogue was over. And she shows up in this moment with people pressing around. She did not feel worthy to come up to Jesus. She did not feel worthy to try to make a scene and to to actually get in contact with the rabbi face to face. She was an outcast. She was disowned, most likely, and put out away from society because of her condition. But she too was desperate. She too had a need. And for 12 years, she suffered. For 12 years, she tried everything she could to remedy the condition of her life by going to anybody and everybody who could possibly try to help her. She tried, no doubt, everything she could. I don't know where she found her money, but it says that she spent all of her money that she had On anybody and everybody and everything that could help her. But she came to a realization that none of this is helping. None of this is working in my life. But I've heard about this man, Jesus. I've heard about this one who is coming through town. And I'm just going to try my best. I don't know why she thought the bottom of the garment was the thing that she could touch. Maybe she had heard about the anointing that runs down to the garment. Maybe it was just that if she could touch the, the cloth of the rabbi. Maybe it would work in some way. But she reached down and pressed her way between people's legs to try to get to where he was, and she just reached out and grabbed it. Never even touching his physical body, but just grabbing the garment. Some commentators and, and uh, religious uh, Bible scholars believe that she was in some ways being superstitious, that she somehow thought the garment could do it, but really it wasn't about the garment It wasn't about the fact that there was some remedy or some some cloth that was special or something that was unique about his fabric. It wasn't in all of that. Uh, What she was doing was putting her faith in the one who could possibly heal and help her. And so her need pushed her to a point that she didn't care if anybody kicked her. She didn't care what anybody thought she was going to reach through and just grab what she could grab touch where she could touch his garment and say I hope that he heals me I pray that he heals me and in that moment Jesus stopped he stopped what he was doing and he said somebody touched me and his disciples said what are you talking about Jesus there's so many people around you everybody's touching you he said no I'm telling you something happened to me there was virtue that flowed out of my body somebody touched me And what Jesus felt, hear me now. What Jesus felt was faith. What he felt in that moment was faith. It wasn't a physical touch because all she touched was his garment. But what he felt was faith. Jesus said, somebody touched me. Somebody reached out and touched me. They put their faith in me. And I wanna tell you today, if I could help you with anything, is let your need cause you to reach for Jesus like you've never reached for him before. Let your need in your life cause you to find yourself in whatever way you can to reach out and touch Jesus because Jesus responds to faith. He responds to faith. And if your need and your condition and what you're going through can cause you to have faith, then let me tell you something, it's worth it. Whatever I'm walking through that causes me to put my trust in Jesus, it's worth it. Oh, hallelujah. And so there she was, and he touched her. He said, I am going to, I'm going to heal her. And the scripture tells us he stopped the crowd, he stopped everybody. And he wouldn't let it go. And she knew he wasn't going to let it go. So the scripture says in verse 47 that she couldn't be hidden. She couldn't stand uh, just in the background. So she came trembling. She came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. This woman came to Jesus desperate, in need and Jesus responded and here's what Jesus said he said to her, now watch this now in the context of this story watch what Jesus said he said to her daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well, go in peace Daughter I don't know where her parents were But I can guarantee you They had probably done everything they could He says Daughter Your faith Has made you Well Standing in the background Of this story is a man who is anxious. A man who himself had just fallen at the feet of Jesus. A man who was struggling with turmoil in his heart because he knows his daughter of 12 years old is dying. He's standing there trying to be patient, trying to be respectful of the rabbi and what he's doing. But if you and I were standing there, we'd be like, come on, come on, my daughter's dying. I need you to get there. I need you to get there. Uh And there stands Jesus, and he tells that woman, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. It's the only time in Scripture that Jesus calls someone daughter. And here stands a man whose daughter is dying. But that need in that woman's life caused her to reach for God, reach for the touch of God. And so when Jesus called her daughter, he not only was speaking healing to her, but he was accepting her. Right. He was accepting her into his family. That what you were once distant from and what you were once an outcast of, I'm bringing you and including you with us. That's right. That's good. It cannot be lost now. There's a man, a desperate man, standing near Jesus who has a daughter on his mind. And so the scripture tells us in verse 49 while he, Jesus, was still speaking to the woman, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter is dead do not trouble the teacher in a moment one moment you have both rejoicing of healing and the devastation of death in that same moment this woman is changed And in the same moment, a father realizes he's lost his only daughter. I would imagine that this father was reeling and he was rocked by the news. But what Jesus says, says when Jesus heard it, what did Jesus hear? When Jesus heard them tell him that his daughter had died, he said, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. So the scripture tells us he comes to the house. He's permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother. They go into the room and Everyone's weeping and mourning, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but she is sleeping, and they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them outside, took her hand, and said, little girl, arise, and her spirit returned, and she rose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. The story is powerful because it's told in one story, but it's a picture of two different people. A man who is wealthy and powerful, he's popular, a woman who is an outcast and poor, a man who has had 12 years of joy with a daughter, and a woman who has had 12 years of pain and suffering. A man whose daughter is hurting. A woman whose parents are gone. But all boil down to one thing. They come into focus. It's an intersection of sorts. They all come to the same realization. I have a need. I'm desperate in my life. It's not about the money I have. It's not about the popularity It's not about Me being an outcast And Being looked over and shunned All my life Or at least for the last 12 years All of them come Both of them come To one singular moment I need Jesus Both of them Find themselves bowing down Before Jesus Both of them crying out to Jesus. Both of them saying, I need your help, Jesus. At the end of the day, what we find in this beautiful story is the gift of need. The gift of need. People who would otherwise have just went on their way with life. Would have just went on their way doing their own thing, but their need brought them to a singular moment with a Savior who could touch them and heal them. And I don't know who's here today. I don't know who's watching online today, but I'm telling you, don't despise your need because your need could actually be a gift to you. If it puts you in a position where you say, I need Jesus, that's not a bad place to be in your life. If your need causes you to say, I can't do anything else but pray and put my confidence in God, then it's a gift to you. I've been texting back and forth for a number of months with Pastor Sergei Tomev in the Ukraine, pastors of church in Kiev, Ukraine. And for a period of time, he had to leave and go into hiding, but he he came back. But he texted me not long ago, he said, we've been having a lot of people come to our church services. So what you're hearing on the news There are bombings going on, all kinds of stuff. They're having church in the middle of all of that. He said, we're having a lot of people come to church services. Every Sunday, we have more and more people coming. We have had people standing because the place has been so packed. He said, God is doing something great in the middle of the war. And what I realize in the moment here is that we we can try to create a, a a barrier of comfort in our life, which I'm not saying we shouldn't try to have comfort in our life. But there are times when we walk through life and we go through struggle and we go through things in our life that if it points us to God, it can be a good thing. If it causes us to, to find God, it can be a good thing. I look across the room here today, some of you came to a point of addiction in your life, a, where you said, I can't do this anymore. And so you came to God. Some of you found yourself incarcerated. You found yourself in a jail cell and you said, I can't do this anymore. Some of you found yourself struggling in relationships in your life and you said, I can't do this anymore. I've just got to put my hope and my confidence in Jesus. I'll tell you, there is a gift to a need. There's a gift. That can be found in every need that's represented in this place. There are some of you that are going through things physically. You're going through things, trials in your life. I'm telling you today, it can be a gift to you. I'm reminded as I come to a close in Matthew 9 when Jesus said it said Jesus passed by and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax office and he said to him follow me and so Matthew began to follow him verse 10 now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw it they said to his disciples why does our teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners and when Jesus heard that he said to them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick but go and learn what this means he said I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous but I've come to call the sinners to repentance you needing a savior today is a gift to you Because that's who Jesus came for You not having everything together in your life Is not a bad thing If it points you to Jesus Christ Now you can be like the woman Who touched the garment of Jesus Twelve years she spent All her money she spent Trying to find a remedy Trying to find some kind of help in her life looking for everything to try to get rid of the pain. But it was only when she brought it to Jesus did she find what she was really looking for. I heard a doctor say one time some years ago, we were in a meeting, he was talking about the nervous system. He said that 90% of the nerves in our body control movement, and 10% are sensory. He said, don't determine your health by your pain. Determine your health by your movement. I'll say to you today, don't determine spiritual health by feelings, but determine your spiritual health by your movement. Where are you moving towards? Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. I can be in pain. I can suffer. But if I'm walking towards Jesus, I'm going to be all right. It puts me in a position where I can surrender my heart completely to him. I'm going to be okay. There are times in our lives when we get desperate. And desperation changes everything. Whether it's sickness, financial, relationships. We can try a lot of things. But I want to tell you today. You do well to try Jesus. Would you stand with me? Your pain and your trouble move you to Jesus, you're in the right place. I'm reminded of that old song it says, "I need thee. Oh, I need Thee. Every hour, I need Thee. And so whatever in my life? Causes me to get to that point Whatever Thing in my life Whatever circumstance Causes me to get to that point In my life It's a good thing Because when I realize That I can't do this without him I'm in a better place I want to pray for you today when Jesus spoke to that Jairus that religious ruler he said do not be afraid only believe now that's really tough to do do not be afraid only believe he had just heard the news that his daughter had died, do not be afraid, only believe. Scripture was mentioned yesterday, Philippians 3, 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to see as it relates to Luke 8. Paul said, This one thing I do. It almost sounds like it's two things: forgetting and reaching. But what Paul is saying, what I believe he's saying is that if you'll reach for me, you'll forget what's behind you. It's one thing. It's not an active forgetting. It's an active reaching. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe. He's telling him, put your confidence in me and you won't be afraid. Every time fear shows up, put your confidence in him. Don't actively try to not be afraid. Put your confidence in him. And you won't be afraid. Reach for him and you'll forget about the things in your past. So today I want to tell you the gift of need. The gift of need is powerful in your life. And if you have a need in this room today, I wonder, my prayer today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite everybody to come in just a moment, but I'm really reaching for somebody today. You've got a serious need in your life. And I'm wondering if you would allow that need, instead of it to create worry and anxiety and fear, let it create faith in your life. God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to bow my heart to you knowing that you can handle this. You can take this situation and you can get glory out of it. All things work together for the good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Before you come, I want to pray for you. Lord, we come to you in this moment. I thank you, God, for your word today. I thank you for the amazing faith that is represented in testimonies all through this building today. God, those who have surrendered their heart at a very high level, they've given up things, they've pressed through addiction, and they've pushed through struggles in their life. They've pushed through tragedy, but not on their own. They've reached for you and found the strength that they could in you. I'm praying today that someone who is facing a trouble in their life, God, who is desperate for something In their life to change, I pray that today they would carry that need to the altar this morning and they would say, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I've tried to fix this with so many other people, so many other ways, so many other things I've bought to try to uh, uh, remedy this situation, Lord, but I'm gonna hand it to you and say, God, I need you in this moment. I need you in this moment. God, I pray regardless if somebody has a lot of money in the bank or doesn't have a lot of money in the bank, all of us come to this moment today, one singular moment, to say that we need you in our lives. Oh, God, regardless of what our job is, regardless of what we have or don't have, Lord, we need you in this place. I wonder if somebody would step out of your pew. I don't want you to come out of habit. I want you to come because you need something from Jesus. Somebody touch his garment today. Somebody fall on your face and say, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.